Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Water Trio Astrology Podcast, where I'm joined by my dearest friends, Alicia Youssef and Kelly Surtees, and we are going to talk all about the astrology between May 25 and June 7. So it's an eclipse fortnight, so lots happening. So what are we going to talk about first, girls? I don't even know. I think first up. <laughs> First up's Mercury into Cancer, isn't it? Yeah, Me that's either. true. That's why I asked. <laughs> so this is going to be the Spanish Tapas episode where we're going to say a little bit about a number of different things. Is that Yeah, that's Ooh, Spanish Tapas, okay. yum. There's just so much um, to talk about. So we're going to kind of give you a little bit of a smorgasbord of all the things. So, so if Mercury and uh, Cancer was a tapas dish, what kind of tapas dish would it be? Oh, there'd be a lot of cream or cheese. <laughs> <laughs> a cheese fondue or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, cheese and bread for sure. Mm. Or maybe it'd so even creamy. be the churros at the end, the chocolate churros. So, yeah, Mercury and Cancer on the 29th, and we're going to have Mercury and Cancer for a fair while, thanks a to... Of months, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Thanks to more, you know, planetary hoo-ha, uh, retrograde action. So we're going to have Mercury and Cancer through until... Am I reading my ephemeris? Oh, my God. Yeah, early August. <laughs> I yeah. read there. <laughs> I'm like, oh man. Yeah, so Mercury in Cancer. So this is like the second retrograde of Mercury in Cancer because we had that last year as well as a part of the infamous meat grinder. And so the Mercury in Cancer is the only Mercury retrograde of 2020 that doesn't straddle sign boundaries. So it's still mm. a pure water retrograde. It's not got that flow back into an air sign. So do either of you girls have any real kind of, you know, we'll talk about the retrograde part of Mercury down the track, of course, but news Mercury and Cancer overall, anything that you want to kind of mention about that? You know, it's definitely a, a sign downgrade on paper. It's definitely less yeah. functional um, than Mercury in Gemini. So Mercury in Cancer is, you know, one of Mercury's um, mute signs. So where, you know, it's tricky for mercury who just wants to talk about the details and do all you know just chat 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 and you know uh cancer it's like a sign of you know feelings and emotions and so you know that's one of the the tricky things of working with cancer is getting them to actually voice their emotions or speak clearly about the way they feel and so you know this is also happening your mercury is going to cancer while venus is retrograde so you know this also has a bit of a knock-on effect or a flavor change for the Venus retrograde. But anyway, my Mercury and Gemini has talked about this enough, so <laughs> I'm going to throw it back to you. Love it. To you guys. I'm, I'm going to try and, like, be restrained. And just the one thing I want to add, because I think you described it perf- perfectly, Cass, it's Mercury in a water sign or Mercury in a mute sign can be more about written than spoken communication yeah. or the inner reflection. But, yeah, it basically set Mercury coming into Cancer sets up this kind of astrological vibe or pairing that's going to last a little more than two months. So from now, like May 28th, when Mercury moves into Cancer in Canada and the US, from then until early August, Mercury's in Cancer, Venus is in Gemini. And so two planets that usually change signs every few weeks are kind of settling into a particular dynamic or a particular vibe. And so I think just understanding that we're starting a bit of a a two-month kind of 
unusual vibe that's about reflection and reassessment and exploring emotions. And some of you are going to love that and some of you are not going to love it, but at least you've got the timeline for it, that it is going to, that pair um, of Mercury and Cancer, Venus and Gemini, it's, you know, until early August. Yeah. And it's, I find Mercury and Cancer is very much about connecting head and heart. It's that idea of, you know, sometimes we have to actually think through our emotions and bring logic to those places that might be a bit harder to access or potentially could be a bit frozen. So it's thinking into our feelings and there's the drive to protect and nurture and nourish that's very much with cancer. So it's those ideas of, yeah, how can we learn more about this? How can we think more about this? And I think with the retrograde, you know, retrogrades turn the mind inwards anyway. Um, so it's even more of a deep dive. I know for me, it felt like that last year and many of my clients were saying the same. It's almost like the Mercury can't do its normal thing. It's Mercury um, in its trickster mode, but it's it's tricking us around our emotions and around our feelings and around our unconscious. So I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a very sensitive time. Um, cancer can be a bit defensive at times. So it may be thinking, yeah, thinking our feelings first before speaking them out, um, examining them before spreading it too far. So that's my thoughts anyway. Yeah. And I guess just being also aware that Mercury in cancer, you know, the sign of cancer does want to sidestep issues. So it's, really if you don't know what you think about something or if you're not really sure how to give voice to those feelings you know it's okay to sidestep that issue or say let's talk about it later and I think that's kind of also brings the emotional awareness around cancer is rather than having that reactionary response which is they're famous for it is with venus retrograde um mercury and cancer it's okay just to perhaps step back and go let's talk about this later, or I'm not in the mood to talk about this right now, or whatever that might be. So just, you know, after the speed of Mercury, it's okay to go slow with Mercury and Cancer, or at least go slower, perhaps. Which I think is a good um, heads up for our listeners that, you know, Thursday or Friday, depending on where you are, May 28th or 29th, Mercury is going into a slower, more reflective state. So if you've got planning to do, if you've got some business stuff you need to attend to, to tend to, or some paperwork, anything that you want to kind of get done pretty kind of concisely or decisively, try and do that, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, before Mercury changes signs, because it will get a little bit sluggish once he goes into the water sign. All right. So I guess the next thing we really wanted to talk about was the uh, Venus square Mars aspect. So that didn't really happen, uh, earlier in or late in April I think that was back now back in April already so Venus squares Mars on uh the 3rd of June and I believe it also happens uh on the 3rd of June in the US and Canada as well because of the speed of Venus right now um so that happens across 14 Gemini and 14 Pisces So Venus and Mars are finally kind of making that connection. They're clashing um, and they're trying to work to find a compromise together while Venus is uh, in a very compromised position. So what do you girls, Mm. you know, think about that? Like how, you know, what are your thoughts around this aspect? You go, Kel. (laughs) Oh, no, you go. I was going to say, I mean, Venus square Mars... 
I know it's a square, but I sometimes have a soft spot where I kind of mm. like Venus and Mars in this type of aspect. It's like that frisson, you know, a little bit of friction, but there's maybe a playful, almost potentially flirty quality to it where like we're disagreeing, but we're able to do it in a way that it's not devastating or destructive. It's sort of like, I don't know, and maybe I'm being a bit Pollyanna here because I know Venus is retrograde. So Mars is really, uh, you know, taking charge here. So there's a need to kind of be decisive. And certainly if you're in some type of relationship or relational dynamic, whether it's with family, a lover or, you know, at work, there is going to be a difference of opinions. Um, and so I think, you know, finding a place to agree to disagree or thinking about the idea of picking your battles, like, you know, do you really want to stand up for something? And and sometimes you need to and you need to push back and you need to kind of get in the arena and, and have the, you know, thrash it out. But other times it's like, look, that's more important to them than it is to me. So, you know, I'm going to let this one, as we say in Australia, let that one go through to the keeper. Through the keeper. And... <laughs> which is a cricket sort of commentary, just let that one go through. Um, but a part of me is like I'm a little curious about um, whether there'll be some fun or some sparks that will ultimately turn out to have been exciting or stimulating in in good ways. Um, that I, I could be being overly hopeful. What about you, Leish? Yeah, look, I generally like Venus-Mars aspects, whether they're square, whether they're trying whatever, because I feel like one, you know, Mars warms up Venus and Venus cools down Mars. But, and this comes back to the kind of discussion we had last on the last episode about Mars in Pisces. I don't know. It just feels like Venus is the journalist who's like in Gemini. I just want the facts. I just want to know what the real thing is. And Mars is the the psychic going, well, let me tell you what's coming from the beyond. And it's it's this kind of like a lack of translation between yeah. the two of them. There's this inability to actually speak each other's language in these signs, you know, because it is a Jupiter ruled sign and a Mercury ruled sign that the two are speaking from. So it's, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm curious too to see how it is. I don't think Venus is in a very good um, place here. So she's almost like the journalist who's in the guru's house trying to get the facts about what the guru's up to. And he's like, just trust and God will come through kind of stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. I've got a story about that, but I'll save that for another time. But um, yeah, no, I totally get you. Like there is this, you know, a sense of of possibility, I think. And when you look at the dispositors, so we've got um you know, Mars is looking to Jupiter and Capricorn and uh, Venus is looking to Mercury and Cancer. So they're forming the opposition. So it's kind of like no matter which way we kind of yep. pull apart this, there's there are the more trickier aspects. But I do like that the dispositors are connecting. So it's like, you know, there is some friction, but at least maybe friction on the same page or towards some kind of common goal. Um, maybe it's, you know, maybe the problem here is the mutability of it. Like, which direction are we going to go? Are we staying together? Are we breaking apart? You know, perhaps with the whole uh, Venus retrograde type of thing. And, you know, maybe those desires are there or those wants are there. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's still kind of, I don't know, I feel, to me it still feels like even though they are making that aspect now, 
um, it's almost like a feeling of little too little too late or the ship has sailed or something like that. And it may be in a relationship. It may be in you know something totally uh, separate depending on what's going on for you. But there is that feeling like, you know, if it only had have happened before, you know, when we were trying to make that last aspect together perhaps. But we shall wait and see because then I guess the next you know, really important thing to mention is on June 4, we've got, you know, Venus moving to the heart of the sun uh, at 13 degrees of Gemini. So she's making that Kazemi aspect, which is the halfway point in the retrograde cycle where she's, you know, Venus is, you know, coming out of that combustion phase, which technically she's in when she is squaring Mars. And now she's moving right there with the sun where she's getting that I didn't know what I want yesterday, but now maybe I'm getting closer to knowing, you know, what what direction I'm going into. And, you know, Venus at this point in her cycle is really in no position to choose or, or to or to make a, a definite choice or a decision. And now as she's going through this this purification process, this might be a feeling of, well, I may not be able to take action yet, but I'm starting to feel clearer about at least what direction I might be heading. It might take Mm. that little while to warm up. And so, you know, sometimes like you get that flash of insight or that flash of or that, you know, sense of awareness coming through and you know your time isn't right to take action, but half of the battle I think in making choices is just making the choice and once you make the choice the follow-through is is very very easy so from Venus's standpoint I think when she passes this position with the sun then she's you know technically speaking on that road to recovery and it'll start to maybe unravel but in a positive way there's a little bit more like I, I'm, I know the direction I'm heading in I'm making some choices um, and I'm starting to get my mojo back slowly but surely kind of thing what do you girls think about that one well you know Kazemi's where she's uplifted in the sun and I, I feel like you know my theme of Venus retrograde is this year in Gemini is working out our priorities and therefore being able to make those choices you were talking about, Cass, from knowing what's important to us. And so that insight you're talking about, it's like all of a sudden our priorities become really clear to us. The sun shines a light on it. Venus gets lifted up. She's like the favourite all of a sudden lifted up and it's like, okay, those things we really value, those things we really care about, those things we really love that day will become really clear in this cycle. And it's almost through what we've lost or what we've had to let go of that what we really want to keep becomes clear. And I, you know, this is the inferior conjunction. So this is, you know, her heading backwards and it is that purification point and her moving into a new cycle of maturity. So I don't know, it just feels like she's been through some battles. She, she's been hidden there and it's a chance to really just uh, just get more clarity on what's important to her. Um, what about you, Kel? Yeah, I guess um, I'm thinking between the technicalities of Venus conjunct the sun and that's an indication that Venus is about halfway through her retrograde, which is nice. Mm. It sort of marks that turning point of, okay, we're halfway through the retrograde. So going forward now, we're getting closer to the end of the retrograde. And we use the image in our last episode around, you know, the 40-day reflection, like, you know, whether it's Jesus in the desert or all the other beautiful stories in 
religious mythology around uh, taking that sort of six-week time away. And this feels like, um, you know, you've gone for a long walk in the woods and it's been challenging, but you've stumbled across something. You've either found the treasure, like on the hero's journey, or you've found the insight. You know, the treasure is not always a physical thing. Sometimes it's a shift in perspective or a change in ideas or a piece of information that unlocks something. And that sort of symbolically feels like what this Sun-Venus conjunction is, where it's like, oh, I get it now, or I I see how much further I have to go, or I understand something that I didn't have understanding around. I still have to get myself out of the woods because now I've been, you know, it's like you left your safety zone and you went for three weeks out and you still have to turn around and come back. But at least now things seem to make sense or now you understand the reason and you may need, you may not be able to do anything about it. Like if I keep using this analogy, you've gone for a walk in the woods. My brother, um, one of my brothers loves to go out in the woods by himself. You know, you go out, you do your thing, you have your reflection, you look at the stars, you, I don't know, you catch whatever you're going to eat, you fish for dinner or you find a nice flower. You can't tell anyone about it until you get back. But now you've got a piece of information or a perspective or a point of view. You've gained some piece of wisdom or knowledge that is going to guide you and inform you as you go forward. And so it's like finding that kernel that maybe is still three or four weeks away from acting on, but now you've got it. And that's, that's very powerful, I think, to get that, you know, we I think all of us at different points have had different types of therapeutic um, work and healing work. And that little nugget, when you get it, is so valuable. You never know when you're going to find it. It just sort of spontaneously happens in the middle of an interaction with a healing practitioner. And then you usually mull over it for a bit afterwards. And then you think, how am I going to put this into practice? So this is the finding of the gem, I think. Yeah, for sure. Symbolically. So, yeah, 13 Gemini is the spot. So if you've got any planets or points around there, of course, um, it will be very telling for you. So um, I guess the next big thing that we really wanted to talk about was the eclipse, just to make it just a few. (laughs) But wait, there's more. (laughs) Yes, there's more astro. So just the details for that. Uh, that's at 15 degrees of Sagittarius. So it's a full moon eclipse. It's not particularly total, of course, It's um, but it's definitely in the eclipse range. Um, and that's, uh, you know, June 6 here in Australia, June 5 in the Northern Hemisphere, and that is at 15 Sagittarius. So what do you girls, you know, what are your vibes on this eclipse? The first eclipse in the new sort of uh, nodal cycle. So it's almost like a a gateway eclipse or the hollow eclipse in a way. Yeah. Um, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to regret saying this, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I know. I, so it's an eclipse in the sign of Sagittarius. It's technically a south node eclipse because the mm-hmm. moon's in the same sign as the yeah. south node. So there's this feeling of fullness and recognition, but also release. And I think it's sort of, you know, it's happening only a couple of days after the Sun-Venus conjunction. So it still has us in that internal territory or that place within. Um, when it's a south node eclipse, it's an opportunity to let something go to release something or to say goodbye to something, um, just to create space, like an emptying out that's kind of necessary that will make you feel good. Um, But at the same time, it's a full moon in Sag, which to me is like, 
there is something hopeful or something to look forward to or something that is flagged as an adventure or part of the discovery process that you'll come back to or explore. So it feels very meta or very big picture on a number of levels. Um, And I think if you're thinking, how can you apply this to my own chart, have a look at the Sagittarius house and just, Mm. you know, as things come into some kind of like light or that the change of light, you can see things, you know, that you normally can't see a shadow in the corner becomes clear because it's, you know, the light is different. Um, And maybe you're aware of something that you can now let go of that you hadn't been aware would be appropriate to, to step away from, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah, very for sure. Today, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? With the South Node now moving through Sag, it was like this is the first. I don't know. I'm just happy to have the eclipses away from where they were last year with all the Pluto and the the Saturn. It's just nice to at least this one in this eclipse season because this is the only one in the mutable signs because the other two go back into Cancer and Capricorn, don't they? So. Uh. Do they? Oh, yeah, I think I they think, do. I think yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Isn't there one on November 30, I think? Yeah. Oh, yeah, but I mean just this eclipse season. Oh, so Because this is the first okay. of three. This is the first yeah. of three eclipses. So I just think it's going to give us a little bit of a window and the idea that this is the baton pass, you know, yeah. back and forth between the where the nodes were and where they are now. So it's kind of giving us a sense of, Right. This is the draining point. This is where we're having to let go and release before. And this is where we're having to let go and release now. And I always talk about the vacuum cleaner with eclipses. And this is just a a vacuum cleaner on steroids being a South Node lunar eclipse. Full moons are always a big vacuum cleaner. And it's where do we need to let go of truths that we thought were real but are not Um, and places that we thought we could find wisdom but are no longer there. And it's I just get a sense of instead of going external for our wisdoms and our truths, being able to go internally for them and work out what's real for us rather than having to rely on the information coming from everybody else. And also as a reminder to our listeners, eclipses are not great intention setting energies or anything like that. So they do throw a bit too many balls in the air for us to do any kind of normal moon rituals around. So yeah, be careful and cautious, but there are some good ones to do, but just not the normal ones. What about you, Cass? Yeah, I guess I can't help but notice that Mars does square this lunation. So I think this will perhaps amplify or intensify the um, idea of maybe letting go of something, cutting away from something or severing something. So that might be around those Sagittarius ideals around truth or uh, wisdom or maybe even letting go of some old conditioning or old beliefs and moving into something that might be a little bit fresh or different Gemini or something that's a little bit more factual as opposed to, oh, but this is what I was told or this is what I've always believed or what I've always thought to be true. So, you know, I think this is, you know, certainly kind of rich territory to really start thinking about this next 18-month cycle and, 
you know, facts versus fiction or facts versus faith. And this is going to be a big part of, you know, I think you said it so much more eloquently than I did, Lishi, you know, passing the baton type of thing. I was just like, oh, this is the hollow eclipse. (laughs) But it is that sort of, you know, okay, well, you know, and I guess it's sort of difficult in some respects right now to, you know, not frame so much of our astrology around the whole collective COVID situation. And so this eclipse might sort of be, you know, uh, help us point our arrows back to what's facts as opposed to shared opinions online or, or whatever kind of um, confirms a, a, you know, our own biases with, you know, various things. So, yeah, um, just, you know, what we need, a little eclipse in the midst of retrograde seasons and all sorts of things. So it always makes, uh, you know, these mid-year, the way all these cycles are kind of lining up, it's this mid-year, can't believe we're talking mid-year already June, um, it is where all the action is and it was the same last year So and it will be the same a little bit next year. So the mid-year is definitely the hot spot zodiacally right now. You were going to say something then, were you, Lee? Sure. No. Oh, you were just, yeah, breathing. I was. Um, Yeah, yeah, I like the transition piece around, you know, this is the first eclipse in the Gemini Sagittarius axis. And, Mm -hmm. you know, 2020, I know when I did my year ahead teaching in January, this is such a year of transition for so many reasons. There are so many cycles that like take one step forward and two steps forward and then one step back. It's not till 2021 that we're like, we're in it completely. Saturn changing signs is one example, like it dips into Aquarius and it comes back into Capricorn, but the nodes, um, the nodes change signs, but the eclipses have this transition. And that's what we're experiencing now that this early June eclipse, our first eclipse in the Gemini Sagittarius axis And then we go back to some Cancer Capricorn eclipses, Mm -hmm. which is what we've been dealing with the last two years. And it's not until the November eclipse season, November, December, that we're then more fully into Gemini Sag eclipses, which is what's going to run through most of next year. So Mm -hmm. this eclipse, I think, has significance in that regard, where it's the first, it's like the preview or the early access. Uh, You know, here's what eclipses in Gemini and Sag might look like. Uh, the nodes are sort of announcing themselves in the Gemini Sagittarius parts of your chart. And they have a very different tone there. They're not going to be activating survival instinct or um, safety topics as much as they have while they've been going through Cancer and Capricorn. Gemini and Sagittarius is a lot more, as you said, Cass, that beautiful facts versus faith, you know, that analogy between the data and the information versus the inspiration, the wisdom, the philosophy. So there's a lot more about learning. There's a lot more movement. I think there's more um, Gemini and Sag are two signs being mutable that are just more open to movement and change anyway. And then the nodes tend to increase uh, change and movement. So it's going to be really interesting to see how much, how many, how much we're doing in terms of moving the pieces around. Um, this June, early June in the Sagittarius part of our chart, but, um, you know, over the next little while, the Gemini part two. For sure. Cool. Yeah. All the mutable action still going on. Oh, I mean, the astrology I'm, is, you know, never ending, right? Yeah. I know. You must be feeling relieved, Leishi, to feel, oh, this is all off some axis for me. Mm-hmm. How are you guys mm. feeling about it, though? Well, I mean, it's 
coming on acts. It's probably more significant for Cass because it's first seven for her, I guess. Mm. Yeah. It's a bit of a month for me, but, you know, what can happen? I'm stuck here at home. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're definitely, like, we're welcoming a whole new Eclipse energy, which we've not had since November 2018. So, you know, that really is such a long time ago now. So, um, and one thing Even that will January be January really- feels like a long time ago. November 2018 is like two lifetimes ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, this is, you know, eclipses can really, you know, they highlight, you know, two, you know, axis of our charts, you know, it's third mm. or ninth or tenth or fourth, you know, for an 18-month period, you know, and it can help us perhaps shift a little bit of focus, you know, where do I maybe need to recalibrate some ideas or let go of some things and, you know, make some room for more. But that's always a continual process. It's not something that is just like, you know, cut and sever and and push forward. It's always this kind of... um, you know, when I you know, speak of oppositions in, in teaching, it's like when people go out on a date, they don't sit next to each other, you sit opposite each other. And that's really not until you're facing each other, you can really interact and connect. And that's mm. what the nodes are always doing. They're still always interacting and connecting. Um, and it's the only way they can uh act and or you know connect with each other so um i think it's always really important to focus on the entire axis that's been activated with all of the nodal action and with all of the eclipses and you know particularly in this period right now it you know there these axes are really highlighted particularly through the emphasis that we've got in gemini at the moment as well so it's the kind of gemini vibe for the moment yeah yeah, good explanation, Cass. Lots. It's very Gemini Sag in general, isn't it? Well, then you throw in Mars in Pisces and this yeah. kind of mid, early mid 2020 period, it's so mutable. And, you know, when we say that, if you know you have a lot of planets in the mutable signs, which could be Gemini, Sagittarius, even Virgo or Pisces, even though nothing's in Virgo, with all the activity in Gemini and Sagittarius and Pisces, they're all activating Virgo and they're activating each other. So mm. it's definitely going to stir, like shake and stir up um, those parts of your chart. So the topics of your Pisces house or, or Gemini and Sag, I guess. Yeah. Which brings us on to the next, the last. Worm. Remember we, Just when we thought there was. <laughs> <laughs> Remember we were doing tapas. Didn't you want to talk about the sun square Mars, Kel? Sure. Um, <laughs> go for it. God, we've really packed it in. I didn't realize I was talking about everything. It's it's good. Oh, so Lots. I just thought we were talking about that quick sun square Mars. So we so can. Go, we don't us. have to. Tell us. <laughs> um, well, we do, you know, because the sun's in Gemini coming out of the eclipse. As Cass was saying, you know, that's that's part of what was wrapped up in that eclipse was the the Mars square to it. So it's just that highlighting of. Um, all the things we're learning about in Gemini as Venus is retrograding through there and the sun is highlighting in there, Mars in Pisces is going, okay, where do we need to slice away? Where do we need to get clear with things? Where do we need to dry out a bit as much as Mars in Pisces can dry and separate things out? I don't know how much he can, but I don't know. There's just that that feeling of really I always find the sun and Mars together. There's this confidence in this boldness, in this daring. And perhaps it's 
coming out of the eclipse, something's been shaken up. It's like, right, this is where I'm going to take action. And it might have tension between a couple of places, but it's how can I drive forward? And where do I just need to really trust and have some faith, Mars in Pisces, to shine a light on the truth of where I need to go? So what about you girls? Cal? Cass? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sun Square Mars, definitely friction. I think it's a day, like if I think, you know, about the astrology of the day, this is Saturday in Canada and the States, uh, Saturday, June 6th, just after the eclipse. This feels like like a, a difference of opinions or a little bit of that tension. You know, Sun and Mars are both kind of hot planets. They're not necessarily both in hot places, but they both have that sense of, wanting to have a say or take charge. So it feels a little bit um, like some tension there. It's not entrenched tension. This is a square in, in mutable signs. So there, there's room to move, but it's it also feels like two things pulling you in different directions at the same time. So it feels like a little bit of pressure of um, too much going on or too many things happening quickly. And that can sort of put you in a position where you make a choice on the fly that you then might regret or want to change uh, going forward. So I guess that's some of the thoughts, um, yeah, about that. And it is because I, I remember now what we said before, it's like, Venus squares Mars early in June and then just a few days later, the sun squares Mars. So there is a real sense. I think too, we touched on this in our last episode, you know, planets in Gemini at squaring planets in Pisces, there's just some tension too between the topics of the Gemini place or part of your chart and the Pisces place or mm. part of your chart. Like those two areas of life are a little at odds and you're having trouble balancing or reconciling the two. Um, you know, one example, the way this could happen in a chart is you could have Pisces planets in the second house, um, making a square to, uh, planets in Gemini in the fifth house. And the tension could be, you know, second house is money finances. Fifth house could be children. It's like your kids want to do something, but you're trying to save for something different. And then how do you negotiate that kind of, well, I'm trying to do this, but I want you to do this, mummy. And it's so that's just one example. Um, you can have second house, 11th house, so the tension could be money and friends type of thing. It's not fatal. It's not going to cause the end of your relationship with your child, for instance, if you have second house, fifth house, but it just shows a difference of priorities that needs to be navigated. And as we know, children are a money pit. So, <laughs> so is romance. So the second and the fifth can be spending too much That's money on, on dates or entertainment, having yep, a good time. True. Yeah. Or sport. So, yeah, I see that come up for people too. Um, I guess the thing to keep in mind with the astrology of this first week of June is everything we've spoken about tonight it has all been at the 13, 14, 15 and 16 degree mark of mutable signs. So if you've got... Yeah planets or angles there this is a really intense week for you throw in an eclipse just for good measure and bob's your uncle as they would say but when i think about the sun <laughs> when i think about the sun and mars um you know the sun is like the planet of selection and mars is like a planet of action and it it, it might be sort of like you know choosing a choice but still maybe having some internal conflict or tension around it a little bit you know thanks to the square um or the mutability of it it's like 
I'm going in this direction. Oh, but what about that shiny thing I left behind? Or I'm making the choice, but it may not be fully chosen within in a way, particularly with the the Mars and Pisces bit, you know, could there have been something more? Um, so yeah, there is the, the mutability of the sun and Mars kind of is what I think throws the spanner in the works. If it was like a fixed sun and Mars, it'd just be like, right, I'm doing this thing. And if it was, um, you know, the cardinal would be a little bit there, but the, the mutability, it's, you know, choosing the choice, but have I really chosen it? So, um, you know, this is all under eclipse vibes, this is all under the Mercury um, in Cancer vibes, as well as the Venus retrograde vibes. So, you know, this is a real kind of week of massive mutable week and also a week where, you know, there's a lot going on and it might be okay just to take that step at back or to, you know a little bit of a tap out, so to speak, if you do need a little bit more sort of time to choose that choice or, or make a decision or find out the way that you want to move forward because, you know, the the whole uh, thing with the mutable signs is that meandering quality and, you know, sometimes I think that can be, you know, easier for the mutables in some respects to deal or handle retrograde motion a little bit because they can handle the, you know, the, the ebb and flow of that, that process. So, yeah, lots of thoughts there, but I think it's just the the idea of, you know, moving forward but still perhaps with a little bit of trepidation or, or a little bit of indecision. And, of course, it's mutable, so you can always change your mind later. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, it's always true. You know, it's always okay to go off course, you know. Like I always think, you know, for me, like I think this just needs to be put on my gravestone. It's like all those who wander are not lost. And I think that's really important to remember when we are facing such mutable times. And, you know, we're all being collectively invited to be mutable, to change the way we're doing everything right now. And so sometimes when things are changing, just change everything and be okay without, you know, that solid outcome or being able to start that thing you really wanted to do. It's embrace the, the, the anything can change on a dime right now. Yeah. Yeah. Go with the flow. It's a bit and frustrating, but <laughs> at times, but, you know, it is what is being called for now, you know, so. And it reflects world events. And, you know, if thinking about it, Gemini is the sign of the lungs, isn't it? So it'll mm. be interesting to see, you know, this is the biggest thing about this virus. So what it will be shining a light on in terms of our lung health and what's possible in this whole period. What are we revisiting? Yeah. Mm. So totally. fascinating. So we covered all the astrology now. We've done all the aspects. We've, <laughs> we've tasted all heaps. the. We've, we've tasted, just through it. We've tasted all the tapas. <laughs> Are we going back for seconds on anything? Is there anything we want to promote? What things have you got going on, Kel? Ah, uh, okay. So I'm just checking. I'm like, okay, first two weeks of early June. Um, so I've got, what have I got? I'm like so confused with the calendar is so far ahead. Um, my four part training on aspects. So an introduction to aspects starts on June 15. So that's coming up and available on my website. 
it looks like I'm doing a webinar on June 20th about the midheaven when it's a floating midheaven. So if you're looking at using things like the whole sign house system or even the equal house system, and you're like, what do I do with the MC when it's not in the 10th house? I'm, pre I'm co-presenting with Frank Clifford on June 20th about that. So I know that's cool. a little ways in advance, but that's, uh, that's what's coming up. Um, what do you girls have going on? Leashy? Um, I am starting the Choose Your Own Canyon course again. Uh, that'll be happening on the 26th of May. So this is for people who are getting to a point where something's blocking them or they're feeling like this habitual pattern is happening in their life and they just want to get over it or get on top of it. So it's a 10-week course. You know, it's it, I've had people say it's life-changing. So it's excellent available to yeah go over to my website and hop in there's it's minute it's only five people available to attend because it's really one-on-one -on -one, so book in for that and also I won't be running any new moon groups or anything any webinars this time but there is my eclipse webinar from a few weeks ago available for download on my website too if anyone wants to get more understanding about the eclipse season what about Excellent. you Cass? What do I have? June. Well, um, I know I haven't set the date yet, but I'll be doing four weeks on uh, planetary phases, essential dignities and things like that as a part of my overall program. So those details are not on the website as we were recording, but they will definitely be there by the time this episode goes live. So all that is on the website, CassandraTino.com. So cool. I guess, yeah, so it's we're in the midway of the year now. So um, be Christmas before we know it. Don't even say such scary things, <laughs> Stop Cassandra. That. Stop that. <laughs> Wash your mouth out with oh. <laughs> Sorry, I'm Mercury cancer in the end there, but yeah, it's oh. like, oh, that one time when we did our, <laughs> our yearly event, uh, it's just going, the time is flying right by. So, well, I just want to thank everybody for joining in on the podcast this week. And we really look forward to catching you uh, with all the Astro Insights for the next fortnight. All right. Bye for Thanks now. Thanks, everyone. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye.